This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I've got the privilege today, the pleasure today to talk to Dr. Stephen Davis. Dr. Davis is the CEO of Cincinnati Children's Hospital, one of the great pediatric health systems and hospitals in the country. We're going to talk to Dr. Davis about the role of CEO, how it's evolving, top priorities, advice for emerging leaders, and a lot more. Dr. Davis, can you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us about maybe a few points of pride in Cincinnati Children's? Sure, Scott. That's uh, easy to introduce myself. It's hard to talk about points of pride and keep it to a few minutes because, as you mentioned, we really are a phenomenal organization. So I'm a pediatric critical care physician by training and uh, started many years ago at the Cleveland Clinic working in the ICU and over the years moved uh, up into operational roles and then leadership roles and really became responsible for a pretty broad area across the organization and felt like while I had some good natural ability in understanding organization that I really needed to go back and get more of an education. And I decided to go back and get a master's of medical management uh, about 15 years ago. And that really transformed my thinking for the future, both for myself and uh, for pediatric health care in particular. And did you take, take a moment on that? Did you do that part-time, full-time? Where did you do that? Tell us a little bit about that, if you don't sure. mind. Sure. So the Master's of Medical Management program at Carnegie Mellon is part of their business school, but the program itself is for practicing physicians who already have some kind of leadership role in their organization. So a pretty experienced group. And I would describe it as it's a, the same as an MBA, only directed solely at healthcare. So when I took finance, it was healthcare finance, healthcare marketing, uh, healthcare law, uh, healthcare operations. And it really helped me understand all of the different parts of complex health systems today and why it's important to not only understand the role of the provider if you're going to be a leader, but to understand all the different elements that contribute to uh, what we do in, in a hospital like ours or a health system like ours. Fantastic. And that was that was actually very formative, very changing, very helpful in terms of having much better context for everything that you do. Take a moment, and you're free to spend a few moments. I mean, don't be bashful. Give us a handful of points of pride in Cincinnati Children's. I know that magnificent system, very proud of it. And, and I know you can go on for hours about it, but give us a few moments or a few minutes on Cincinnati Children's. Sure. So we are one of the leading children's hospitals in the world, and we're very fortunate here in Cincinnati that the city itself aligned many, many years ago to really consolidate all of the pediatric services within one hospital, and that allowed us to grow significantly. We had many other advantages, one of which was about 90 years ago, William Cooper Proctor of the Proctor & Gamble uh, family uh, created a significant endowment and developed the Cincinnati Children's Research Foundation. And that really helped set us apart from almost all children's hospitals in the world, with the exception of the top two or three. And so we are a large children's hospital, much larger than uh, based on the size of Cincinnati itself uh, might warrant. So as an example, Cincinnati, I think, is the 49th largest metropolitan area in the U.S., and we are the second largest children's hospital in the country. 
treat patients from all 50 states and over 50 countries around the world. We have some of the top physician scientists anywhere. And that forethought 90 years ago for, by William Cooper Proctor to start that research foundation really allowed us to attract the best and the brightest. Some of the things in our uh, past history include things like the polio vaccine, the rotavirus vaccine, the development of surfactant, one of the first heart-lung machines, and then most recently, our team in our uh, vaccine trials unit, which is one of only 10 in the country, and I believe the only one at a children's uh, hospital, really did a lot of the uh, significant work around developing COVID vaccines. And I think you know, like, you can't understate the importance of the COVID vaccine in our current environment. So many, many things that we did here. Probably the thing that I am most proud of currently is our organizational commitment to mental health. And I think everybody knows that mental health is a challenge across uh, the U.S., unlike anything we've seen in the past. And our commitment to it is uh, deep. We have 130 bed inpatient facility for children with mental health, and we have an enormous team of psychologists, psychiatrists, behavioral health specialists, and others that really focus on trying to make things better for kids. And I say that, that it really is something that sets us apart from almost any other hospital in the country and we're immensely proud of. Thank you. And the pervasiveness of mental health challenges, particularly for young adults and for children, is really a frightening thing. And so thank you for the efforts to try and address it and make it a priority. Talk for a second about the transition, Dr. Davis, from Cleveland Clinic to Cincinnati Children's. What was that? What was that choice like? What was that transition like? When did that happen exactly? Sure. You know, I'll go back one step earlier. Before I was at the Cleveland Clinic, I had been at Johns Hopkins Hospital. I spent eight years at Hopkins, and then I uh, finished my critical care training and went to Cleveland Clinic and absolutely loved it there. Got phenomenal training, and I really I wouldn't be a CEO today if it weren't for Dr. Toby Cosgrove, who was the CEO uh, for the last 14 years of my time at the clinic. He put in many leadership development programs for physicians aimed at developing the next generation of physician leaders. And I happen to be fortunate enough to be one of the people in those uh, emerging leader programs. No, but what's amazing about that is the amount of whether it's Dr. Barsoom, Brian Donnelly, so many different people have come out of that leadership period of time that Dr. Cosgrove was so um, futuristic in, in sponsoring and, and, and pushing forward. I mean, there's so many great physician leaders that have come out of that program or out of that leadership. Yeah, you know, Dr. Cosgrove really was very transparent. When he took over, he realized he didn't have all of the training and background that he would have liked to have. And he told us he was never going to let another physician be in that position of feeling unprepared for a role and really put some phenomenal structure in place. And I had the great fortune of working very closely with Brian Donnelly and Steve Jones and Mark Harrison and others that you mentioned. And, and it really set me up for the future. But over time, I started working on uh, more and more adult-based problems rather than pediatric issues. 
And when I found myself spending almost 90% of my time working on the adult side of the health system, I realized my true passion really is to make things better for kids. And I got an opportunity uh, six years ago to come down to Cincinnati Children's and be the chief operating officer. And it, it was a phenomenal move. You know, I would describe each of the three places that I've spent the majority of my adult life at as being very different from each other in some ways and almost identical in others. And the way that they're identical is Hopkins, the Cleveland Clinic, and Cincinnati all have a culture of excellence. And the status quo is not good enough and very good is not good enough. All three places would take some brief amount of time to celebrate on very good and then say, okay, we need to be better. And that fits my personality uh, to a T. And, and Nancy Magnificent, let me transition you from there to leadership. What advice would you give to emerging leaders? I mean, those are amazing leaders. I mean, you talk about Steve Jones at Inova, Dr. Jones. You talk about Dr. Harrison at Intermountain, uh, Brian's at Cleveland Clinic London. I'm spacing on the name of the gentleman who's, who serves as president of Cleveland Clinic International. who's also magnificent. Um, but talk a little bit about what advice would you give to emerging leaders? What advice would you give to other leaders? So I have a couple of things that I I actually teach leadership development at Carnegie Mellon in that physician program. And a big part of the focus of that program is understanding the ladder of leadership, as I call it. And that ladder starts with leading yourself. And leading yourself, the first element is self-awareness, then self-management, then that next step is social awareness, then being able to uh, manage your social environment, then understanding team, and then organization. Too many leadership programs start at that top step of understanding an organization and how to lead it. And the majority of leaders that I've seen who haven't been successful fail at managing themselves and understanding their impact in the organization. And so I spend a lot of time really talking to emerging leaders about self-awareness, self-management, understanding their impact on the room and how people feel about themselves while you're in the room. So that that's one. But, um, but stop on that for a second, because yep. that is not, there, there is a great, obviously, there's a great Harvard Business Review piece on this, managing oneself. But if you can't manage your own temperament and yourself, it is very hard to be a great leader. And if you're not self-aware, it's very hard to be a great leader, isn't it? It is. And it's it's unfortunate that many leadership programs skip all that foundational work and go into the how do you lead uh, complex systems? And while there's a point that that's necessary to learn that, if you haven't mastered managing yourself and and managing a room of people when you're in the room or now uh, virtually, you're you're going to fail before you get to lead an organization. Could not agree more. Can you talk more about some of the other core leadership thoughts you have? Because I think this concept of starting with managing oneself, one's own temperament, the self-awareness is so critical. Let me let you go forward. So I really focus on, on being yourself, but being the best version of yourself. About four years ago, I got the uh, opportunity to be the interim CEO here when my boss, Michael Fisher, was out with a, a health challenge. And in the first couple of weeks, I was trying to figure out how do you be an interim leader because you're probably not going to be in the role six months from now, so do you want to make changes or not? And a good colleague of mine pulled me aside, 
and gave me some of the best leadership advice I've ever gotten. And what he said was, don't try to be uh, like Michael Fisher because you will only be the second best Michael. Just be the best version of yourself. That's good enough or Michael wouldn't have asked you to be the interim. Just be the best version of yourself. And, you know, one of the things that I focus on with others is always uh, be in learning mode. And I tell everybody from my kids to the people that work with me that the single best thing you can do for yourself is to read 30 minutes a day. Whatever it is you want to read about, just read for 30 minutes a day. And over time, you will be a better version of yourself. Dr. Davis, just, just a magnificent thoughts on leadership from self-awareness, self-management, uh, to this concept of constant reading. I couldn't agree with you more on the depth and, and positiveness, the richness of life that's added by this regular constant reading. So many benefits to it. it, it talk a little bit about, when you look at Cincinnati Children's, great research institution, second largest pediatric health system in the country. You've had this magnificent career, Johns Hopkins, Cleveland Clinic. I also went back to your master's in management, now teaching medical management through it, Carnegie Mellon. Talk for a moment about big priorities this year. What are the big priorities this year for Cincinnati Children's? Uh, you know, we have a, a couple of priorities, and that's one of the challenges of leadership is really understanding that you can only have two or three priorities. doesn't mean you're only working on a few things. It just means that uh, your major efforts and major focus and alignment of resources have to be on just a few things. I would say, uh, for me, one of the key priorities is that during the last two years of the pandemic, our organization has learned so much. We focused a lot on building resilience throughout the pandemic and uh, focusing on uh, post-traumatic growth rather than post-traumatic stress. And what I would say for this coming year, we're really focused on making sure those improvements that we were forced to make in how we run during COVID are hardwired and that we handle future challenges even more swiftly and effectively than we handled COVID. And I think we did a, a really nice job there. I would say the next most important area of focus for us beyond mental health, which I talked about already, is to continue our efforts to close the health equity gaps that exist. And one of the things that, you know, is really disappointing in America is that the zip code that you're born in really has a major determinant on your overall health. And here in Cincinnati, we are focusing on understanding population health and health equity gaps to close those gaps so that the zip code you're born in really doesn't have a major impact on the health of your uh, life. So those, I would say, are the main uh, priorities. And then in terms of improvement, we're really looking to improve our digital ecosystem. We learned a lot on how to connect with patients at a time when it was hard to travel. And we want to make sure that those improvements continue. People really uh, appreciate that digital front door that we've sort of put in place. And we need to continue to build that out for because that is where healthcare is going uh, to some great extent in the next several years. And we need to be ready for it. And actually, we need to help design what that future is like so that it's an evidence-based use of digital health. Thank you, Dr. Davis, so much. I mean, the, the, the concept of making the most of the lessons learned from the pandemic so they're not lost 
improving on health equity, uh, working on transforming the digital experience of the digital ecosystem, magnificent. Plus, I love the focus that you talked about earlier on mental health and behavioral health. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Davis, just a tremendous guest, tremendous thoughts on leadership. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today on Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you very much. Well, I really appreciate being invited and to thank you. And uh, anytime you want to talk in the future, just let me know. We would love to. Thank you very much.